Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hi, y'all. So very, very good. I'm from Texas, so y'all. It is so very good to be with you. Tonight, I've been looking forward to this evening ever since I got the call. Coming to Albuquerque is a blessing for me because it's a homecoming for me. This is my hometown. So I get to reconnect with my parents, my family, my friends, people that I've grown up with. And this is my home church. And I get to reconnect with you. I had so much fun watching your 25-year anniversary celebration online. I wish I could have been here for the event, but I did watch it online and just so many memories. Walking down memory lane and rejoicing in all that the Lord has done at this fellowship. I remember the apartments as a seventh grader. I remember... The theater. I remember Kaufman's. I remember Snow Heights. And I remember the very first Sunday in the sanctuary. And I've logged hundreds of hours in my life sitting here listening to Bible teaching and serving the Lord. I was a part of the school of ministry in 1992, the Shepherd School in 1994, one of my fondest memories was being able to teach Old Testament survey at the School of Ministry in 1995. I grew up here. I love it here. I got trained in the Lord here. I met my awesome wife here. Our wedding ceremony was performed right here. And so I just feel right at home with you guys. You're my brothers. You're my sisters in Christ. And it's a pleasure. It's a very awesome, awesome pleasure to be with you. Tonight, I want to do something a little different. You know, God takes all of us on journeys. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going on a journey. Of course, our journey will end up in heaven. Amen? But there's also, I believe, a very, very specific journey that he has for each one of us. He has things that he wants to accomplish in our lives, through our lives. And I have found that God's journey for life can be very surprising. Twists and turns, things that you don't expect. Since you're my home church, my sending church, church where I got trained in the ministry and where I got ordained into the ministry, I thought what I'd do tonight is just share with you a little bit about my journey and what the Lord has done. I want to give you a report, tell you what I've been up to and what the Lord has been doing. My journey in ministry began with my wife, 
Oh, about 12 years ago, October of 1996, when we moved to El Paso, Texas. Yes, we moved to El Paso, Texas. Our goal, our mission, was to plant a church, to plant a Calvary Chapel. And so I quit my job as an engineer. Kim and I packed our bags, and we drove down the highway to El Paso, Texas. There was a group of people there that wanted to get a Calvary Chapel started there. And so we began having a Wednesday night Bible study. Six months later, we started having our Sunday mornings at the YMCA on the west side of El Paso, and we did that for a year. Then we went into our own little spot, our own little place that we rented, a little show house, warehouse, showroom area, and we spent five years there. And that's where I went on full-time as the pastor, being paid full-time and being able to quit the engineering job that I had as a tent maker there in El Paso. And there we grew, and lots of wonderful stories could come out of those years. But tonight, I want to tell you what happened to us over the last four to five years. Um, Nothing could really prepare me for what we would encounter. You just don't get trained for the situation that I found myself in. And, and I look back on it, and it's, it's crazy. It's, it's sort of comical. It's bizarre. And so I'm going to share with you mostly about that, but let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you that you know each one of us by name. And we thank you for the journey. We are well aware, as your people, that there are definitely things that you want to accomplish through us. Things that you want to do through us in reaching this world. But we know also, Lord, that there's many things that you want to do inside us. And I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things that you take us through. I pray that you would encourage many here tonight with this testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. I did bring some pictures with me tonight that I want to show you. If you're listening by radio, I'll just describe it. You'll get the gist But uh, what you're looking at right there is a cotton gin. That's an old cotton gin. That was built in the 1950s. It's located on the west side of El Paso. You would even consider that cotton gin, you know, a milestone. It's It's a marker that's well known in El Paso, the cotton gin. After... Being in that one place for five years, in January of 1993, we bought those buildings on six and a half acres of land. And the thought was we would just take those two buildings, they're just shells, 
and just really easily be able to remodel them and get in and turn those into a sanctuary. I thought it'd be real easy. (laughs) So on the next slide, that's from inside the cotton gin, and we were still at our other place. But we decided in April of 03 to go ahead and have our Easter service in the cotton gin. And so we went into this cotton gin. You can see it's totally open. And we had our Easter service there. And I got to tell you, um, that was one of the coolest services I have ever been a part of in my life as a Christian. And I've been a Christian since I was seven. There was this wonderful anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our congregation, upon that whole service. I will always look back at that as one of the most wonderful things that I've ever really been a part of. And we saw many people come to Christ at that service. And we had a big turnout for a cotton gin. Well, we got so excited about that that we decided we wanted to move to the property as soon as possible. And so on the next slide, you can see that white tent that we put up. The city gave us permission to go meet in that tent. And the idea is we would meet in that tent and very quickly remodel those metal gins into something that we could use for a sanctuary. So there's that tent. That tent seats about 300 people. Um, You can get a lot more there when you just open the flaps, too. So that is the tent that we had. And I got to tell you, when we first moved in, it was so incredibly exciting. Go to the next slide, and you'll see kind of a picture of what it's like in the tent. That was kind of what our services looked like. It was tent revival. It was It was novel. It was so cool. There was all kinds of these wonderful, wonderful things happening. In fact, the first several Sundays when we came and started having our services in the tent, actual pure white doves would fly right over, they'd hover right over the top of this tent. And we saw people coming to Christ. And it was so amazing. And I I just, I can look back and remember just how incredibly cool that was, but I had no idea that we would spend the next four years (laughs) in that tent. That very tent. We didn't change tents. That tent. For four years. The next slide, I, I love this picture. There's a very talented guy at our church, actually, um, looking at this picture makes me sad for us, not for him. He went to be with Jesus over Thanksgiving week. So he's with the Lord. But he put this slide together, and I think that so clearly shows what we went through for four years. We met in this white tent, and notice how he transposed the picture of the gin up above it, that was our dream, to, to turn that into this church. And, and we'd have that sanctuary, and it would be so awesome. And, 
And, but four years in the tent. And by the way, we did have horses. Our neighbors right next to us are a, a horse ranch. And so you could sit, at, <laughs> sit in our tent during church and look out the flaps and see and hear horses. And if the wind was just right, smell the horses as well. Next slide. That's a picture of me and my wife. This is over three years after we moved into the property. This is November of 2006. We finally got a building permit approved by the city of El Paso. We finally got funding. And that was on a Sunday morning where we held the time of worship out on this property. We all got around it. It was kind of like a groundbreaking deal, and we praised God and worshiped him there. Next slide. That's the new building that we were able to put up just in August of 2007. And, you know, it, it's, it's a 12,000-square-foot metal building. It seats about 650. It is not the Crystal Cathedral, but we... Love it. We love the walls. We love the ventilation. We love the air conditioning. We so appreciate this place. And we just moved into it a little over six months ago. It's still got the new car smell. Next slide. On August 5... Last year, 2007, we had our building dedication service. That's uh, my wife, Kim, opening up with a prayer. This is when we began the service. I had a lot of our friends in town, um, a lot of people who had been praying for us. Tears were shed at that service. Um, Good friends of mine were here. guy by the name of Jim Suttle, who he's been here before. Him and I were good friends at the Shepherd School, and he pastors Calvary Chapel Roswell. He came in and shared the event with us. Friends and family came in. Poncho Juarez came in. Would you go to the next slide? You guys know Poncho? Isn't that guy awesome? I love Poncho so much. That guy encouraged me so very much. He has a radio uh, program on it in El Paso, and people love Poncho in El Paso. And he would come to our city regularly and have radio rallies, and I got to know him through that. And we just became the best of friends. And he just really would come and, and encourage us and uh, come speak in the tent and praying for us. So he said he wouldn't miss that building dedication service, so he came down. And then, of course, it was a wonderful privilege to have my pastor, Pastor Skip, in this next slide, who came down and uh, at this very emotional service, he dedicated our building. And uh, I know the story impacted him a lot. I even know, I think he shared a little bit about it from the pulpit a couple of times. I'm that tent pastor guy that he would talk about. And so that's, that's really just a very quick run through. Um, the, the question 
that I've been asked a lot is, why in the world did it take four years? Well, first, let me say, I don't recommend coming to me if you want to get into a new building smoothly. (laughs) I could write a book on how not to get into a building. I could probably give you lots of advice on what not to do. That property, we believe, was anointed by the Lord and for us. But when we got it, it was very raw. There was no uh, water, no sewer there, and that had a huge impact on us being able to get permits. We ran into all sorts of problems with the city of El Paso. All kinds of things. We went through multiple sets of plans. We had all kinds of plans, and we couldn't get anything Together, it kept banging into walls. Nothing would happen. Then we ran into these people problem issues. We got involved in this really political, muddy, murky thing there in El Paso. And then, of course, there was financing issues and all these kinds of things. And and, and just let me tell you, I tried as hard as I possibly could. I prayed as hard as I could pray. I talked to everybody who I thought might be able to help. I read the Bible. I took our congregation through the book of Nehemiah, man. (laughs) To find the secret of how to do this. And I got to Nehemiah chapter 6. And it says that he finished the work in 52 days. That massive wall around Jerusalem. And I thought, he didn't live in El Paso. That was the problem. (laughs) It was crazy. I remember reading about the Jericho, where they they traveled around in the city of Jericho seven times and blew the trumpet and the walls fell down. I thought maybe we could reverse the parade and it would work. I mean, I just... Everything that I could possibly think of, and I'm just telling you, it was, it was, it was crazy. I, I couldn't, I couldn't expect, I didn't know what to do. You ever been there? I mean, you got this noble thing that you want to do for the Lord, this noble thing that you want to do in life, and, and you just, Church life for four years in a tent is very interesting. There are many, many different factors that you deal with that you don't normally think about when you go to church. (laughs) There's the weather factor. It got cold in El Paso, Texas in the winter months. And so we had different back porch patio heaters, propane heaters all over the tent. And, and trying to warm people up. By the way, if you sit real close to one of those, they'll give you sunburn. <laughs> They're hot. And so you had some people sitting next and they get real hot and other people. And then other people, they came to our church bundled in blankets. Bundled up in coats. You guys have windy springs here, I know. El Paso is very windy, windy in the spring and brings lots of dust. And so I, I remember praying at some services that the tent wouldn't take flight. 
There was the rain issues and the mud. If it rained at our property, it was the El Paso mud bog. But by far the worst part about meeting in a tent in El Paso, Texas for four years is the heat. I mean, it gets hot in El Paso and it's humid in El Paso. And we tried every way that we knew how to cool that tent down, short of spraying people off with a water hose. (laughs) But it was hot. I would teach in shorts, T-shirt, flip-flops. People sweat. You could come to our church and lose 10 pounds in a service. So for four years of my life, brothers and sisters in Christ, I was extremely interested in the weather forecast on Saturday night. And believe me, our church prayed for weather consistently. In four years of time, we only had to cancel one Sunday morning service. And that's because the whole place totally flooded out. And what was really cool, that service, I went and I just sat at the gate of our property and everybody tried to come to church. And they would all drive right. We had drive-through church. (laughs) I was there at the gate and they would pull up. We would talk. I'd pray for them. They'd say, God bless you, Pastor. We're praying for you, Pastor. We're with you, Pastor. Here's an offering for the building fund, Pastor. (laughs) Then there was the bug factor. Four years in the tent, we did battle with the bugs. One Sunday as I was preaching, I was attacked by a wasp. I was attacked by a wasp. And it, it, it wouldn't go away. Now, I don't know. Could you listen to a guy who's got a wasp circling around his head? Thinking, oh, no, you know. But it wouldn't go away. There was a lady in the front row that stood up and said, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And it left. It was awesome. But next week it was back, and it had brothers and sisters with it. And so now I had four or five wasps, and they were dive-bombing the congregation. What is going on? And then after the service, we noticed that up in the pitch of our tent, there was a wasp colony. There was a, so we, we took care of it. The next day we took care of it. We blasted it with this extermination but then the next sunday they were back what is going on and you you will never believe this we finally looked inside the pulpit and in the middle shelf you don't ever really look down under there was the biggest wasp colony i ever saw right in the pulpit i'm telling you it was crazy Spiders moved into the stage. One, one morning I was preaching and, and a guy literally got up from the front row, came up with his Bible, 
and smashed it on the pulpit, killing a spider that was coming up. That's a great thing to have happen at church. You know how when some preachers hit for emphasis, you know? When I did that, it was killing spiders. <laughs> then there were the mosquitoes on Wednesday night. We had services in the tent on Wednesday night. And in the summer months, the mosquito community knew it was all you could eat at our place. And it was a buffet. One Sunday morning, uh, my wife and, ch- and I and children were driving to church. And as we got closer, we noticed that the, the, uh, the street was moving. The street was moving. And I thought, oh, what is that? And as I got closer, we, we were kind of out in this remote place. A farmer had cut down a field, and apparently it was, it was infested with crickets or something. And so you, we literally had a locust plague of crickets coming across, headed straight to our tent. We had this little house. We have this little house on the property. They had gotten to the house, and the crickets, I'm not kidding you, covered our house. With spite, it was two inches thick. I'm not exaggerating. Just all these critters. I showed up, and I said, Lord, I am not... An Egyptian. I am a child of Abraham. We prayed like crazy that that Sunday morning, and all those critters missed the tent. They wouldn't go. But, I mean, this is sort of how we lived for four years. Animals, skunks, raccoons, cats, dogs. I felt like I was in a weird Disney movie <laughs> where they'd join the band and start singing, you know? I... <laughs> Bathroom issues. We had two indoor toilets. And then we had porta potties. Now that's a real selling point for a church. Oh, would you like to use our porta potty? <laughs> One Sunday morning we came and our well stopped working. We had no toilets and the wind had blown over one of our porta potties right in front of the children's area. <laughs> I see a lot of parents out there. You're thinking, where were the kids? What did you do with the kids? Well, here's what was really cool. We did have a house. We did remodel that. And there was another little metal warehouse on site that we were able to put up walls and ventilation. And so we actually did take care of the kids very well. We had nursery and everything available for them. And so uh, recruiting volunteers for our children's ministry was easy at our church. It was... mm. Incidentally, the kids loved the church. They loved it. They ran around that property like crazy. It was an adventure. 
We had the coolest things for the kids. We had these outdoor drive-in movies with VeggieTales. We had the coolest harvest parties. I mean, it was just so wonderful to see these kids and just how they can take anything in life and love it and enjoy it. I learned from them. Well, obviously, I did go through a whole lot of discouragement. I, I hit the dumps a lot. I complained a lot. It was tough. It was embarrassing. Sometimes it was, you know, you just felt totally humiliated. It was a very, very tough place to be. There's a, uh, about a mile and a half down the road on the way to our property. You will drive right between two buildings. On one side is a Hindu temple. And it's actually orange, white, striped. My son... Six-year-old, when he first saw it, said, Ooh, Daddy, look, a Whataburger. (laughs) No, that's not a Whataburger. It was a Hindu temple. Then on the other side, there was a Jehovah Witnesses Kingdom Hall. Neither of those buildings existed when we moved to our property. Both of those buildings went up in seven months. And so every day when I would drive to church, going through all the problems that we were going through, I watched these two buildings go up almost overnight. That's a tough pill. That was tough. And I said, Lord, why? I hate to tell you this, but it's true. I experienced it, and it hurt deeply. There were some other churches around town and other Christians that started spreading rumors about our church. Started running around saying, like, we were under the judgment of God. There were even some that seemed to be cheering for our failure. So, yeah, there were times when I was confused beyond belief and ready to give up. Lord, I'll just leave El Paso. I'll go back and I'll become an engineer. I didn't sign up for this. A tent this is a tough thing. You ever been in a place like that? I am so glad, though, that I didn't quit. I'm glad that I stayed. I'm glad that we persevered. Because let me tell you, and this is what I really want to share with you tonight, 
there are powerful, powerful lessons that you learn in the tent. There are things that you learn in those lean years that change your life forever. I've always loved the Bible. I love hearing it taught and I love to teach it. There are a lot of Bible verses that I know, but I didn't really know. See, there's a lot of things in the scripture that you know intellectually, but you don't own. You don't live, you don't walk it. Very important word that I discovered, contentment. Contentment. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, Paul says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Brother and sister in Christ, we are to be content people. No matter where you are in your life. And we need to learn contentment. And let me tell you, contentment brings happiness. Contentment is not a natural thing for us, is it? Especially in America. Strive for more. Do more. Get more. And in our culture, there's so much um, at work to make you discontent. But as Christians, we must learn contentment. And I believe that in the tent years, you learn that very, very powerful principle. You know, there was a time... When I was, again, I was at a real low at one point, and I got to just not like that tent at all. I just didn't like it. My dad called me up. He and his Bible study um, learned of a situation of a pastor in, in Louisiana area who lost his church, his church building, to Katrina. You remember that? Katrina came and... Well, this pastor lost his building, and he was looking for a tent. And so my dad says, Terry, uh, he's looking for a tent. Could you take some pictures of your tent and the plan and, and give us and send pictures? Here's a, here's a past, pastor who would love to have a tent like yours. And so I, I went out to this tent that I was hating, and the Lord made me bring my camera and walk around that tent from every angle and go snap, snap. And with every snap, God was saying, be thankful for this tent. This is the tent I've given you. 
You know, it was a turning point for me. It really was. We, we learned to just be content. All right, so we got a tent. Cool. Laugh about it. Make the best of it. I'm telling you, contentment is learned in the tent years. Maybe you're going through a really, really tough time. That's the perfect time to learn contentment and to know and understand in heart and mind that to have Jesus Christ is enough. Amen? To have Jesus Christ is enough. So you learn contentment. And then when you get a new building like we got to get finally, you're grounded in it. You're, you're appreciative of it. But you don't get caught up with it. Contentment. Another great word that took on a whole lot of meaning to me through this process is dependence. We're to depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Everyone would say, Amen. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We would all believe that. But where do you really learn dependence as a Christian? Where? In the tent years. (laughs) When things aren't so good. Like I said, I was so out of my league. It's such a hard thing for me to put my arms around. This problem was so hard for me to solve. And I had to depend upon the Lord. Um, As we got closer to moving into our new building, we were going through Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I, I came across this verse. We were doing it as a congregation, and our congregation was exciting about getting into the new place and everything, but to a people that were in the wilderness for 40 years. God said, So it shall be. When the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, When you have eaten and are full. Okay, so you've come out of the wilderness and now you're about to go in to this promised land. And when you do that, it's amazing what he says. Then beware. Then beware. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. From the house of bondage. You know, the most dangerous places for us in Christians when everything's right. Why? Because we tend to forget. But in those tent years, you learn to depend. And the trick for us, the goal for us as Christians, is to never lose that sense of dependence upon the Lord. In the bad and in the good. Pilgrimage, that's another word that got filled with new meaning for me. In Hebrews chapter 11, 
It's talking about all these saints that were used mightily in the Old Testament. And it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Did you know we're called pilgrims? As Christians, we're aliens. We are strangers just passing through this life. Our citizenship is where? Heaven. That's our home. You know, tents are supposed to be temporary. Now, we push that a little bit. But let me tell you, for four years, even in that tent for four years, we didn't put a whole lot of investment into it. We didn't buy any carpet. We didn't invest in a whole lot of snazzy sound equipment. We didn't, we didn't buy new chairs. You know what we did? We saved resources for a permanent structure that we hope to occupy in the future. And the Lord taught me, the Lord taught me that my ties to this earth should be like my ties were to that tent. This place is short. This earth is temporary. The permanent structures in heaven. And the Lord Jesus says that we should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And that just became so meaningful to me. Humility. Very important. God values humility in his people. God's servants will be humble. First Peter chapter 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, I don't think, I, I couldn't see any pride in my life before that. I mean, I wouldn't say that I was a prideful man. But looking back, I, I, I always saw myself as being able to handle stuff. Always had success in things that I would try and do. And, and I guess it's just... This, this whole thing with the tent, I could not make it happen. And it was God saying, I'm humbling you. And let me tell you, it was a very humbling thing. And it was such a good thing in my life. Because in humility, you just start to lose sight of yourself. You don't become as important anymore in your life. Life really does become more about God. And other people. And there were so many things that the Lord showed me through this. In the tent years, you will make the best friends of your life. Now, I mentioned how there were some problems that I had with some Christians, but I want you to know that 
Way more than that, I had people come around and surround me and love me and encourage me. And don't you ever underestimate the love and the resources that are available in the body of Christ. The congregation that the Lord gave us in El Paso is amazing. The worship teams that we have there are amazing. Terry, we'll sweat with you. Terry, we'll freeze with you. It's raining out, but we're going to set up the equipment and praise the name of the Lord Most High. Having to swat mosquitoes, but we're going to praise the Lord together. My wife, my best friend, gave me so much encouragement. We had pastors give us encouragement. Poncho gave us encouragement. At some very down times, I would call Skip, and he would give me some encouragement. There were times I would drive to Albuquerque and just complain to Dave Rao. Just go on and on and on. And he would listen. And he would pray for me. I met people in the tent years that I would go to the map for. Their brand, band of brothers. You know, when you go through a hard time in your life, sometimes it's tempting to get away from the church. Don't. Go to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You will make the best friends of your life in the tent years. I learned a lot about priorities, what really matters. We were taught... Ever since I can remember from being at this church, what the priorities of church is, the priorities of ministry are, the priorities of life. What is it? You know, word, fellowship, prayer, evangelism. The foundations of Christianity. The reason a church meets. The reason Christians gather. What did we do during those four years? We had church. We gave the word, we prayed, we worshiped, we had fellowship. And for four years, we had existed as a body that could only offer that. Nothing else, no other bells and whistles. And I stand before you tonight and I say, that's enough. That's all you need. Jesus, the gospel... The word. I also learned the very strong importance in your life to persevere through something. Persevere. Some of you might say, well, why didn't you just move? Why didn't you just sell the place and go find another place? Because as I said, that piece of property became holy ground for us. It became something that we would, we would fight for. And, and yeah, I was tempted to quit at times, but I said, I want to persevere, and I am so glad I did. There's reward that comes out of that. 
Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Last year, um, our little property, six and a half acres, is in a region that has been called, that was called last year, the fastest growing region in the state of Texas. Right now, there are hundreds of homes, five to six hundred homes, that are slated to be built all around our little cotton gin. The property is almost tripled in value. We have people knock on our door regularly. Hey, how much do you want to sell your corner for? I'm so glad we hung in there. Four years, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of perseverance. It pays off. And not just in that way. The real payoff when you go through years like I've just described is what happens in you. Do you understand me? God touches you. God works on you. God matures you. You see, we're his tools. We're his servants. He wants a sharp. So I believe that there is not one day in our life that is wasted. God will use every twist and turn to turn you into what he wants you to be. A verse that I love so much through the whole process was Psalm 138.8. The Lord will perfect or complete that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hand. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Not, not some other pastor, not somebody else. Me. In other words, he's got a plan for each one of us. It's all tailored out. It's all mapped out. You learn those things. God has a journey for you. He has twists and turns for you. Cooperate with them. Get out your Bible and find those verses that you can wear. Live. Own. Find those truths. Let Him use you. Of course... The adventure really begins when you meet the most amazing person that you can meet. And that's who? Jesus Christ. The real adventure in my life began when I was seven years old. And right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Billy Graham came to town. And I walked down that aisle and I met Jesus Christ. And he changed my life forever. There are many people in this room that have met Jesus. 
And we're all growing and allowing him, hopefully, to shape our lives and cooperating with him. But perhaps there might be some here tonight who haven't met Jesus yet. Oh, how I'd like you to have that opportunity. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes with me. Lord, you said that you desire truth in the hidden part. And in the inward parts, you will make us to know wisdom. So, Lord, you oftentimes take your finger and you poke around in our hearts in who we are on the inside. And you put us through things in life that shape our character. And, Lord, sometimes it hurts. But we know you have a plan. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here tonight who is going through just some difficult struggles in life. I pray, Father, that you would encourage them tonight. And then, Lord, I would also like to pray if there would be anyone here tonight who doesn't know you that tonight would be the night. If you're here tonight and you've never received Christ, you've never met Jesus, he will change your life. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Hey, he will take you on an adventure. And the adventure and journey ends in heaven. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.